Welcome back. Once again, guys, we're doing a, as I stated before, we're going to dive into a mock draft this week. I have one of my uh, close associates, one of, uh, he's got over 10 years of IDP experience. It's uh, Blake Meinberg, also goes by Pappy. Uh, So, Pappy, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Play on the show, Seth. I'm excited to see, uh, see us do this mock draft tonight. Absolutely. So for those who don't know, we're uh, we're diving into a rookie IDP draft. So there will be non-defensive players in the draft, obviously. And the way that I wanted to point this out is if we were doing kind of the standard IDP rules, none of these guys would be drafted in the first three rounds or so. So we are doing the rules that I had stated in a previous uh, podcast episode. But for new viewers or new listeners, basically I'll do a pretty brief overview. Individual defensive stat-wise, half or assisted tackles are worth 1.1 points. Solo tackles are worth 2.2 points. Our uh, sacks are worth six points for linebackers, eight points for D-line. And interceptions are worth eight points. Um, that takes the uh, six points for the interception, but you also get a um, another two points for a considered pass defended. So we kind of did it that way. So that gives a little bit more of an understanding of the, the boost that value comes with these guys. And so what we're really going to try to do is get you guys to understand where, where some of these guys are going to go value-wise. Uh, and once again, we'll be uh, we'll doing uh, a few rounds. We're going to try to get through as many as we can tonight. So we'll go ahead and dive in so we can get right to it. So, uh, Blake, I'm going to take the first overall pick, as we had talked about before. And uh, that still is, to me, going to be uh, Brees Hall. I, I don't think that you can uh, not take the number one running back when you're talking about fantasy, even, even with it being IDP-wise. Yep. He's, he's quite valuable at this point in time. And so, I looked up some stats for you on that one. The Jets had 460 touches to running backs between receiving and rushing last year. So at, this guy is going to come into a role where he's going to at least get 200 touches. Absolutely, so yeah. Cool. And and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not really concerned about a fourth-round pick, Carter, being somebody that they're actually going to be talking about. Exactly. Carter's going to be more of that scat back coming out of the backfield catching balls, but Brees Hall is a true runner. The guy's going to be out there. Robert Sala likes to run the ball. Yeah, and if yeah, if anybody knows, he, he he's got any offensive spirit based off of the Shanahan offense, he's going to be running the ball a lot. So that puts you on the clock. All right, number two overall. Uh, you know, I went back and forth with this pick a bit, but I'm going to stick with the guns on here. Drake London. Drake London. Interesting. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your philosophy on taking him at number two. I looked up Matt Ryan in that offense passes, uh, had 600 passing attempts per season. All right. So that offense was a passing offense. Mariota is a passing QB. They don't have much of a running game. The ball is going to be in the air a lot. That offense is going to be on the field a lot because the defense isn't that good either. So I'm looking at volume for Drake London. He may not have a gaudy first year, but he's going to be an IDP guy you want, or not an IDP guy, but a guy that's a PPR guy you want in the future. Now, um, hypothetically, would would you be willing to pair a Drake London with a Kyle Pitts type wide receiver, or tight end rather, or do you think there's enough 
enough, you know, to go around that offense with it being poorer offense? Or do you think that if like a guy here had Kyle Pitts from the year before, he might steer in a different direction? If you had Kyle Pitts in the year before, I would still steer in this direction. I think that that offense is in a rebuild. They're going to see what they have with Desmond Ritter. They're going to fling the ball around. And Drake London, is a, he's a, he is a wide receiver specimen. The guy is – Yeah, he's a freak of nature, absolutely. He's a freak of nature. He, he ran like a 4-4 speed at 6-4. Yeah, he's – So he's, him and Pitts are going to tear up often, yeah. Okay, well, diving into the, the third pick, um, this is where I really think that it can go in different directions based on team need. Um, I'm still signing uh, Ken Walker here um, from Seattle, the running back there. All you got to say is the 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 history of the running back injuries there in Seattle, and they want to run the ball. They Russ what what Russell Wilson left town because they wouldn't let him cook per se, and they want to just run it down people's throats. That's when they got to the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch. Ken Walker comes in as just an absolute mo- monster year at Michigan State. He's going to be behind Rashad Penny, who I don't know has played an entire season in his entire career, and I don't think Chris Carson will actually ever play in the NFL again. So I think that the you might have the first few games of the season where Ken Walker is not necessarily going to be helping your team a lot, but I don't think it's going to take long for him to get on the field. And once he gets that role, I don't think he gives it up back to Rashad Penny. He's only on a one-year deal, Penny is. So there's two options that happen. Penny gets hurt and Walker plays really well this year and is great in the future, or Penny plays really well, they don't re-sign him at the end of the year, and Ken Walker's really great going into next year. So I think the upside is just too strong for Walker at this point in time not to take him. Yep, and this was my flip-flop, too, at number two. Ken Walker was another guy that I could see as a solid number two pick there, but uh, you know, at the same time, with Seattle and some of the woes that they have, they're in a rebuild. Uh, I, I like a receiver better than I like a running back behind that old line right now. And in dynasty leagues, obviously running backs have a longer, or sorry, wide receivers have more of a shelf life. So you'll, you'll get more out of them for longer, hopefully. Yep. All right. So to, to the next pick that I have on here, I'm, I'm actually going to go with a very safe pick here and Aiden Hutchinson. Number four. Ooh, already diving into the, the defense. Okay. And I'll tell you a few reasons here. You're sitting at number four pick in some dynasty in a 14-team league. Chances are that you were right on the outside looking in on the playoffs. Your offense probably doesn't need a ton of help. You probably have some young guys on there. But getting a keystone, a cornerstone guy for your defense. Hutchinson is one of the most polished coming out of the draft in years. He reminds me a lot of J.J. Watt coming out of Wisconsin. The guy spent four years there, worked his way up, came out. Same thing with Hutchinson. He's going to be an immediate impact player right out the bat. Yeah, I, I do really like Hutchinson. I think that he is a solid impact player. Um, I don't know if he's going to become the next J.J. Watt per se, but he's got a motor like him, that's for sure. He's not going to give up on plays, and you're, you're going to see him down the field tackling wide receivers and stuff, that's for sure this year, which is always nice to get those extra points. Um, so it's super valuable. So now this is really where um, it starts to get really interesting for me. As I said, with with the way that our IDP league works, I haven't been over like super overwhelmed with a lot of the offensive weapons this year. But that being said, I still uh, really think that be, based on opportunity, uh, Traylon Burks has to be the next pick here. You know, they they traded out AJ Brown. 
and brought him in and basically you're saying, yeah, now there's been a lot of talk in camp that he's, you know, he's having some issues, this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is they don't have anybody else. They got Robert Woods coming off an ACL tear midseason, and they just don't have anybody else for, for them to throw the ball to. They're going to have to force feed him in other ways just because they have to do something else on the offense. Granted, everybody would love to see Derrick Henry run the ball 45 times a game, but that's not going to keep him healthy. I mean, they'd probably win if he was still running the ball 45 times a game, but you got to have some some volume on the wide receiver end, and I think uh, Burks is the guy that's going to be able to get it early and make an immediate impact on a, on a dynasty team. And I agree. Tannehill has to have a guy he can go to. A.J. Brown was that guy. He's going to want to, to really work that rapport with Burks right out of the bat. And, and like you said, Henry, I think the tires are falling off. At the end of last season, they're going to have to pass the ball more. Not to mention, they're going to want to get Malik Willis out there at some point to see what he can do. Yeah, and that that'll and I feel like Burks and Willis will be the kind of people that make a broken play into a spectacular play for sure. Yep. So next pick that I would have on this one is actually going to Chris Olave for New Orleans. Absolutely, one of my favorite players in this draft. I think he's a value right here. Uh, mainly because you got Jamie's Winston throwing you the ball. If you look at Winston's stats, the guy hucks the ball. He throws a lot of picks, but he throws a lot. And so if, if you get him out there last year, he was on a very great pace on the year before he tore his ACL. I anticipate he comes back, starts playing in that offense in a way that's going to get to all the receivers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm, I'm not sold that Michael Thomas is even going to be able to play this year yet. I mean, he's still not healthy, and it's been two years since the ankle injury slash surgeries, all that stuff. You know, there's something else that's just going on with that. And even if, then it just makes it easier for Olave to, to get open. I think he is the most polished route runner in this class, and I think that yep. he's going to be a very much what Chris Godwin was for Winston in, in Tampa Bay is what Chris Olave can be for for Winston in, in New Orleans. So I, I am absolutely over the moon for Olave. I think that he's could end up being the best wide receiver out of this class for sure. And if you look at what the Saints gave up for him, it's not just that they moved up this year, but they traded their net their first rounder last year or next year to get the two picks so that they could move up to get him this year. They wanted him and they got him. Not to mention they brought in a great guy and Jarvis Landry who could be a great mentor to a young kid coming into the league. I like Landry. He's been around the block. He knows what's going on. Yeah, so and he knows he knows the route running and the possession receiver role very, very well as as well. I know where you're going here with the next pick. He's sitting there. He's ready oh, for you. Oh, yes, yes. I am going defense at this point in time, and it's a guy that I think that just has the capacity to be extremely, extremely valuable in IDP leagues, and that's Kyle Hamilton, you know, the uh, safety – for the Baltimore Ravens. This guy was at one point expected to be a top three pick in the draft. He did fall a little bit, but he fell to a absolute great location. I mean, if anybody knows how to set up D backs for success, it's Baltimore and he's going to play some in the box. He's going to play some outside. He's going to cover the tight ends. He's going to cover the slot guy. He can do it all. He's never coming off the field. And as long as he stays healthy, I see him as one of the premier safeties for the next 10 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, very, very similar Ed Reed type of kind of player out there. Has a nose for the ball, knows how to tackle. The guy is an excellent pick at seven. Yeah, and he's a big dude, too. He's not, you know, he's he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, Absolutely. So so at eight, I'm going to stay on the defensive end of this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it a little up a little bit. 
I'm going to go to Kobe Dean. Interesting. Interesting. You're going to have to sell me on this pick. Okay. The reason is, okay, you have Lloyd on the board. And I like Lloyd as a player, and I think that Lloyd could be a good fit here too. But I'm going for the positions he's feeling. He's feeling right now. He is taking over for Alex Singleton, who went over to Denver this year. Alex Singleton, the last couple of years, has been 140-plus tackler a season, and he is not an athletic linebacker. He's taking over that middle linebacker. IDP is all about getting tackles and making those plays. Kobe Dean's going to be put in the most opportunities to do that in year one. Now, do you have any concerns about him? the, the, uh, the pectoral injury that made him not be able to uh, perform at the Combine? Some concerns there um, with it, and I know that's why he dropped a bit, but I also look at where he ended up at. I, and, I mean, truthfully, I'd say, can you name another linebacker on that team right now? Well, I, I can just because I talked about him last week. Uh, <laughs> but um, but you're right. As far as talent level goes, none of them can hold a candle to Dean. I, I, I think Dean will be – like you said, he fell into the perfect situation with the perfect team that never, this team needed a linebacker for the last four years and refuses to draft him in the first round. And so to get a first round talent in the third round, when they get him, it really is a match made in heaven. I'm a little concerned about him being super successful in year one, just because there's still that injury kind of concern and what they're going to kind of do with him. Um, but once he is on the field, I think he will be an absolute force in IDP league. So I, I understand where you're going with there. For sure. And, and my, my thought with him is where you're drafting at at number eight, you don't need him to come out and start really hot. You need him to play during the playoffs. And so he's going to get used to that defense. And by week 13, 14, when you need him in the playoffs, uh, he's going to be a 20-plus scorer. Poker. That's fair. Yeah, if you're talking team eight and, and the draft, you're a, you were a playoff team last year. That's for sure. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't point it out before we started, but this is a 14-team IDP uh, league draft. So we got 14 picks in every round. Um, so, so that really kind of threw me a little bit of a curveball there. Um, not expecting him to come off the board that early. The way that I I'm looking, I, now I'm not the biggest fan of of this cat. Honestly, I I would I would move off from him, but I know that it's probably about where he's going to be going. And this is Jamison Williams. Uh, people, once again, kind of what you said. This team has probably made the playoffs last year. They can kind of wait for him to get a little bit healthier and use him in the back end of the year. Um, but full disclosure, I think Jameis Williams is, I think he's going to be a bust. I, I think that he's not going to yep. come out and be successful in this league. There's already been reports about him not wanting to do his rehab and things like that. If he's not willing to put in the small things for work to get back on the field, I don't think he's going to put in the work to stay on the field and to get better and to understand you know, coverages and how to do all that. He's gotten by on his talent and his skill set because he's so fast and he's so talented, but that's not going to cut it at the NFL level. And I, I personally have him on my do not draft list, but because we're doing a mock and I want to put, you know, clarity and where he's probably going, this is kind of where I would expect this guy to land. Well, which brings the next receiver off the board for me. And that's, that's Sky Moore. Sky Moore. So you're going with the quarterback talent um, with Sky Moore versus the the overall probably talent of Garrett Wilson at this point in time. Right. I, I think that Garrett Wilson's a talent. I think that in the, in this mock draft, we're probably going to have him drafted here in the next few picks. 
but I go for, can the quarterback get him the ball? And there's a lot of touches that left that offense with Tyreek Hill. If you watched last season with me, Cole Hardman, the guy dropped the ball more. I don't think there's a trust that he has with, with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes needs a deep threat. Sky Moore fits all of those boxes to be a deep threat. I don't think he is going to be a great PPR guy for you, but he is going to be a nice boomer bust guy. And that's fair. Yeah. And, and as far as you talking about the deep threat, they did bring in Marquez Valdez Scantling, who uh, is fast as all get out, but he also has issues with uh, concentration drops as well. He did for the Packers. Um, But I believe that he had plays last year that were the fastest in the NFL as far as uh, top speed hitting. So they do have some weapons there. And I'm, I'm curious to see how Kansas city shakes out this year with the impact of Juju Mark as Valdez gambling sky Moore, and even possibly Justin Ross, uh, if he is able to get on the field. And I think they still got Josh Gordon, don't they? Like <laughs> they, they have him somewhere. He's on the somewhere, bench. <laughs> somewhere in there. He's there. Um, well, that brings uh, us to pick number 11, and this this one is going to be Devin Lloyd, linebacker for Jacksonville. Listen, yep. the starting linebacker for them last year had like 182 tackles. I think it was O'Lockin, um, Foyer O'Lockin, and he he got him because he was there. But I don't think that that's a sustainable kind of mentality for him. The offense was terrible. They're probably going to be better. They can't be much worse than they were last year, but I think that Devin Lloyd comes in right away. He's a three down linebacker. He he can intercept the ball. He can cover line or cover tight ends, zone, short short routes. He can do all that and he can rush the passer. He's a real total package when it comes to linebackers coming in to the draft. He was the first linebacker taken off the board, uh, you know, inside linebacker at least at this point in time uh, in the actual NFL draft. And I think that going to Jacksonville where it's going to be a team that's going to be on the field more often than not on defense, um, it's just going to be a match made in heaven as far as volume, opportunity, um, and and just the skill set that he brings to the table. It's a value pick at 11, too. I mean, that's just a good team getting better. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so at, at 12, this is where I would take the, the Garrett Wilson pick. Now, now, and, are you, is there any concerns that you have regarding Garrett Wilson and 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 that offense? A lot of people are are, are starting to be pretty high on on the Jets, and I'm not I'm not necessarily one of them, but I, I'd love to get your opinion on on that matter. The Jets are a run first team, and I think they're going to continue to stay that run first team going into this year. That's why they drafted Brees Hall. That's why they have a stable of running backs with Michael Carter. I believe Tevin Coleman's still on the roster this next season, too. He is. Yep. So they have a stable of running backs. They're going to run that. The thing with Wilson is he's a very polished wide receiver. He's a good route runner. He has good speed. He's a very talented wide receiver. If Zach Wilson can figure out his issues with accuracy going into this season and just improve by maybe five points on accuracy, I think Garrett Wilson comes out and has a surprising year or in the back end of the year, too, if you look at it. Yeah, this this is what I would call a pretty uh, talented, at least opportun- we believe that it's a talented wide receiver group. I mean, Corey Davis is no is no slouch. He, he is a capable wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and then you do have Elijah Mitchell from last year. Um, and uh, and then and then Garrett Wilson here as well. And then they pick, they picked up uh, CJ Ozama and free agency. Yep. So. They're, they're definitely trying to build something there offensively. We'll just have to see if Zach Wilson can be the guy that's going to right. uh, put it all together. 
And if you look at Elijah Moore's season last year, near the end of the Elijah season. Elijah Moore, yes, not top, Mitchell. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. He was a top 10 wide receiver. Yeah, in the uh, games that he played. Yep. So he, there's definitely the talent there. I think that this is going to actually – having him on the field opens up Wilson even more. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so my next pick at pick number 13 is uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, defensive line for the, uh, for the Giants. Listen, he fell into a pretty solid situation. And um, I think that he has the opportunity to just be the highest ceiling guy as far as D lineman goes in this draft. I think that he, he is a little bit more raw than say an Aiden Hutchinson. I think Aiden Hutchinson definitely has the higher floor, but as far as if you're going to go for ceiling and a guy that can end up having a 15 to 16 sack average season for, you know, a, a few years there when he gets really into the, into the thick of it, I don't think that there's a guy that you can look at. That's not Kayvon Thibodeau in this draft class. He he's strong. He's athletic. He's got more than one move off the edge. He's, you know, a 90 percentile athlete. And he, he's just the reason people kind of dropped him off being the number one overall pick is because he likes to market himself. Well, he's in New York now. I mean, they're going to take care of the marketing for him. I expect this guy to focus on football and come out of the gate hot. So I, I came on Thibodeau is, is probably, like I said, he's my preseason ranking. He's my highest um, opportunity uh, D lineman that I have. And, and he's a nice luxury here sitting at 13. Because you're a playoff team, you made the championship game. You're trying to build up a roster piece at this point. This is a nice guy to store on your bench until he starts getting meaningful minutes, and then maybe he becomes that starter right away. Absolutely, maybe not day one, but down the future, this is a great value pick. And and that's what part of this this draft is when you get to the back end of like say the first round, and you have people that were in the playoffs. They could go for the fourth, you know, running back, fifth wide receiver. Um, off the board, or they can take the top talent at the D line or linebacker positions and still be able to get that positional advantage um, because the scoring is very, very even. So it makes it very valuable all the way through the draft on what you're trying to get. So you're not just saying all the running backs are going to be gone, all the wide receivers are next, and then then just pick up you know whatever defensive players you want. No, the defense really does matter. And that's where, you know, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Kyle Hamilton, Nicobe Dean, Lloyd, and Thibodeau all have made it in the first round of this draft. Yep. So here's where I see a, a nice value pick coming up here at the, to finish off the first round. And Christian Watson, at wide receiver. I, I like the situation he fell into. Um, I don't see him necessarily being a thousand yard guy starting year one. I think that the, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to go probably to some of the older guys there, but they're saying Lazard might be the guy, but hey, who knows? Watson might become the guy after week five. Uh, you got one of the best quarterbacks of all time throwing you the ball. He'll get you the ball. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one of those risk guys that you have to kind of really be in or out on. Um, to me, I don't think his numbers were as impressive as they should have been for given the uh, talent that he was playing against to come right in and succeed. Yep. But he definitely could be a guy in two to three years that's going to be a, a dominant force. But the question is, is Aaron Rodgers still going to be playing in two to three years? That's where I really don't know. Um, so now we're, we're back into the start of the second round. So with that being said, the first round pick of this team was Brees Hall. And maybe a week ago, I would have been drafting Johan Dotson because we didn't know where Terry McLaurin was, but he did sign that new big deal. So he should be in camp, which pushes him a little bit down my, my rankings, not a lot, 
Um, but my guess is, is that if you're the very first pick in the draft, you've got a lot of needs. And the number one probably is still running back, even if you took one. So here I am taking James Cook running back for Buffalo. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that Buffalo went out this offseason and they signed um, J.D. McKissick. And then J.D. McKissick turned around and went back to Washington when the um, when the actual free agency opened. They want that pass catching back. That's what they went out to get. That's what McKissick does. They wanted that, and they got that in Cook. I think that also, with Singletary being on the final year of his rookie deal, Cook could be the guy that goes forward and becomes their number one guy. It's always been a split backfield, but they definitely hate Zach Moss because he's terrible. Um, and I think that Cook slides into that second role and will basically take over third down automatically right off the bat. And then later on into the year, he might end up passing at Singletary and being the number one dog. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, as a guy who's had Singletary for since his rookie year, uh, he's a hot and cold running back. The Bills want some consistency on offense. They need to get over the hump, get past the Chiefs in the playoffs. This Cook pick was a guy that they could try to go and build a number one running back with. Uh, I don't think Singletary's sitting in Buffalo next year. So this guy's a nice value pick at the second round first pick. So to, same reason for the first pick being a nice big wide receiver there. You, you've not made the playoffs. You're probably going to need something big. And this one, Seth, I'm going to surprise you because it's a value pick, but it's a reason. There's a reason behind it. I'm going Jermaine Johnson, linebacker, D lineman. Keep going down. He is playing an LBDL position, and sitting in that position right there at number two, I like somebody I can shift into a D lineman or a linebacker position, depending on the week, depending on the league and how it's set up. And this guy fell in the draft. He ran into a great situation in Robert Sala's defense. And he has a running mate with Carl Lawson. As long as he stays healthy this year, that's going to take up a lot of blocks. Oh, yeah. J Jermaine Johnson is one of my top three uh, DNs in this year's draft because of the situation that he's fell into. And that was before I'd seen that he is now linebacker D-line eligible. That is extremely valuable when you're talking about depth of your pieces on your team, especially if you're a team that's, you know, not in the playoffs, you need somebody that's going to be flexible like that, but it's probably going to have a lot of boomer bust guys on your roster trying to really pick that team up. Exactly. So this is a great value because you can move him around the defense. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Johnson fan. Like I said, I think the jets ended up having a, a heck of a, a draft, especially with, you know, three picks in the first round getting Jermaine Johnson, who they had a lot of people mocking him in the top 10 to, uh, to the jets to get him in the twenties was just a, a masterful move. In my opinion, um, going into the third pick of the second round, um, it's, it's that time. It's not an impressive class by any stretch of the imagination, but Kenny Pickett is the pick here. You know, he's going into a team that has been successful for as long as we can remember. You know, Pittsburgh does things right. They're going to set Pickett up for success. They wouldn't have drafted him in the first round if they didn't believe that he had the talent to be successful. He's coming from the University of Pittsburgh to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a great story. They finally corrected their Dan Marino troubles that they had, you know, back in, in the 84 draft. That's um, right. That's right. And uh, they, they got their Pittsburgh quarterback. I, I don't see him being a stellar off the bat. In fact, Mitchell Trubisky might be the guy that's starting the season. But they drafted him in the first round. He's going to be their future. 
and he's got a plethora of talent there at the wide receiver uh, position that I just ex- – and not even counting Najee Harris, who can catch the ball like a madman out of the backfield. That team's set up for success, and if he can be fast to, to pick up the, 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 the playbook – He'll uh he'll be a, a wonderful value for any team that gets in the second round of a rookie draft. Yep, absolutely agree fully. I would have taken Kenny Pickett somewhere here in these first few picks right there too. Uh, uh, so the next pick I have for you is Damian Pierce, running back for Houston. I was wondering we def- about this one. Yep. We went we went defense to start. Got Aiden Hutchinson. This is a, a riskier a riskier play, right? Uh, the Texans the offense. You don't know what it's going to look like. Davis Mills played pretty good last year. By the end of the season, he could come out and be QB1 for them moving forward. They don't have a uh, solidified run game. Uh, I don't believe David Johnson is the answer there. If he's even sitting there by the beginning of the season, this guy I think will up in that, be the starter by the end of the season. Yeah, I uh, I, I am a big fan of Pierce. His, his college tape is great. He averaged like, well over five yards a carry for his entire career. He uh, and he's a bruiser. He's he's going to be a guy that is going to be able to take the beating and do what they need to do. They had that you know round table of all the old guys last year. They did bring Marlon Mack to town, but that dude's off an Achilles tear um, that he has not looked the same since that's happened. So I, I would not expect him to be um, a lot of issues for Pierce to find playing time going through just Marlon Mack. And uh, I think they still have Rex Burkhead who can't stay healthy for his life either. <laughs> All right. So the, the fifth pick of the second round, this is where I'm, I'm moving back onto the defensive side. And um, this one's tough. It's between a couple guys for me, but I I'm leaning towards, and it's going to be uh Jaquan Brisker. Uh, safety for Chicago. Now, this guy is a day one starter drafted in the second round, um, and he likes to hit people. He's going to be a tackle hoss safety. His coverage is strong, strong enough um, to keep him on the field in all situations, and that team's going to be terrible on offense this year, so he's going to have plenty of opportunity to be successful. And I just feel like he's going to be one of those guys that a lot of people might not know the name, but then they'll start looking at their their opponents and be like, who is this guy putting up 10 to 15 points of me per week? Um, and I just think that he's going to be the guy that's just – it's going to be a volume play. He's going yep. yep. to have that ability play. to uh, be successful. Yep, the DB section of the Bears is not the best in the league, so he's going to have plenty of opportunities to, to hit the receiver after the catch. So uh, the next pick, and, and, and in my draft, I'd be excited to see him here, is Trayvon Walker. Number one overall NFL pick this year. Absolutely, yeah. So he drops in this because he was not a polished guy coming out. And you got some guys that are already plugging in starters. And on that Jaguars team, you don't know how they're going to pass rush or what they're going to do because he doesn't have any running mates out there that necessarily are going to get to the quarterback. So I think he has an uphill battle. But right here in the second round, he's a great value to go grab, uh, especially as a team that's on the cusp of the playoffs. Yeah, and he's one of mine that I'm not the biggest fan of just because he's going to be raw coming out, but he has the tools to be extremely successful. And playing against uh, across from the defensive end, Josh Allen, I think will help him develop. And having Devin Lloyd, I mean, that defense could turn a corner very, very quickly um, this this offseason. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of 
breaks down. Now, pick, uh, pick seven in the second round. I am going to finally take uh, Johan Dotson, uh, Washington Commanders wide receiver. He uh, taken early in the first round, I believe the 13th pick. Um, he was a bit of a surprise, but he's got speed. And Carson Wentz does still have an arm, even though people seem to, to hate on him very, very heavily. The one thing about Carson, though, is he threw 32 touchdowns last year, and those got to go to somebody on Washington. Yep. And, you know, they're not all going to be Terry McLaurin. Johan Dotson has the, the ability to play right away. They drafted him once again. They spent the draft capital of a first-rounder on him. They were excited with a lot of other wide receivers on the board. In fact, only Garrett Wilson and uh, Drake London were off the board at that point in time, and they said the next best wide receiver is Johan Dotson. So, um, for me – I think that that's going to be a, a a solid value pick that I think he's he's probably not going to start as fast as a uh, Drake London, but he could have the the definite boom games because he's got that speed. Yep, and that next pick I have for you is Alec Pierce, Indianapolis, wide receiver. Same, same kind of thought process. You have Matt Ryan coming over there. He needs to have his receivers to throw to. Uh, you do have Michael Pittman, who I think is the de facto – wide receiver one but i do believe pierce is going to come in he has good size he has good speed to be a very valuable um, wide receiver on there if you remember matt ryan's best days he had julio jones and calvin ridley on each side yeah yeah and and they have the offensive line to give matt ryan the, the time to pinpoint pass and i don't think matt ryan's lost it as a passer at all i think that he's just been getting his absolute butt handed to him every single week and just no yeah. offensive line and can't do anything about it but blake you know, you were sitting here talking about Alec Pierce, but you know, what 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 about Paris Campbell? He's he's there, and they're talking about him being really really good at camp again. Again, they say that every <laughs> year. He's going to return kicks really well. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to be hurt within three weeks. <laughs> He'll be hurt by the preseason, and he won't even be playing. So, I, I Paris Campbell's fine, but he's a speedster I'm, I'm looking at the size alec pierce is was he six two six four somewhere in that range he's a big guy yeah he's a big guy and he played on a uh kind of uh i would say just a solid offense with uh cincinnati i think he's just a very very stable player i think that's the best way to describe him is i don't think you're gonna have really massive games but he's the kind of guy that probably is going to get you five for 50 maybe every week as as uh you know rookie and sophomore year kind of ascending and then he'll start adding some of those touchdowns in i think he's just going to be very very capable and honestly michael Pittman needed somebody to take the heat off of him he started out on fire last year and then they started double teaming him and he couldn't do anything about it and the colts couldn't do anything else because all they had was a busted old T.Y. Hilton, and Paris Campbell was already on the IR for the 15th time. So it, uh, it is what it is at that point in time. So we're at pick nine in the second round, and this is where it starts to look at the, okay, are we looking at a backup running back that has some opportunities? Are we looking for some wide receivers that maybe fell in the draft but look like they're in good situations? Maybe we start looking at the tight ends. Uh, and a lot of people at this point, if they're not experienced in IDP, might start looking just now at defense. Um, looking through where we're at with some stuff, there are some, some D-backs that I'm still uh, very interested in. But I think that going into the second round here, I might be a little bit of a surprise for you, but I'm going to take a running back 
And it's probably not one, Blake, that you would think that I'd take here. And it's Zamir White. Actually, not surprised at all. Well, good for you. <laughs> well, and, and the, the reason for Zamir White, you know, there's still Isaiah Spiller on the board. There's still Tyler Algier, uh, who might be the starter for Atlanta. Um, there's Brian Robinson. But I'm taking Zamir White because of what the, uh, the Raiders have told us. They got a new head coach in McDaniels coming over from the Patriots. What do the Patriots do? They always use multiple running backs. McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, that's something that is definitely uh, in the mix. There's also the fact that they declined Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. So this is the last year of his contract. They don't do that unless they aren't really sold on him as a player. So he either doesn't fit the scheme or they basically want to do a prove-it deal and don't want to pay him the money um, for the fifth-year option and do something better. Either way, Zamir White is definitely going to be involved in this offense. And I expect him to possibly have the opportunity after this year to maybe take over the, the first, uh, the, you know, starting running back role. There's, there's not a lot of guys that I think are going to be on a better offense with what the Raiders have done in the, in the, this off season, than as Amir white at this point in the draft, if you're, especially if you're looking at running back. Yep. And I, I couldn't agree more. It's the Josh Jacobs thing, Seth, for me, it's, the fact that they're not picking up that fifth-year option tells me they, they wanted to go find a guy that could come in and maybe be a, a, a stopover for a stopgap for a year or two before they draft another running back. Zamir White's going to get the opportunities to be that guy. So at this point in the draft, really, um, is, there, is there any thought on kind of stretching, stretching for your, your guys that you really like, or do you think that you still should kind of like – everybody has those sleepers that people probably aren't really knowing about. Is this the point, or do you think that that's more kind of going into the third round, maybe fourth round is when you start trying to grab some of those guys? It, it can get kind of, it depends on the draft. And I think that right now uh, sitting in these last four or five picks here, you're at a luxury. You, you've kind of gotten some guys out of the first round here. You might go and dive and take some of those guys that you wouldn't necessarily take early on. And, and I, and, because of that, this is where I see some of the great value defensive players go because people are still thinking offense in the back of their mind and they're leaving a lot of great defensive players on the board. So at this pick at 10, I love Jordan Davis for the Eagles, D lineman. Jordan Davis, the giant rhino. Like he's huge. Jordan Davis is a fat unicorn, right? Like that's right. what it is. And isn't a fat unicorn just a rhino? That's right. That's all it is, man. And, and I like him because he's going into a great situation. He's going to be next to Fletcher Cox, who's nearing the end of his career. He's going to learn a lot from that guy, I'm sure, this year one, but also have the opportunity to get onto the playing field and take up space. Uh, he is a unicorn because he's fast. I believe he ran the fastest 40 for a D lineman of his size ever. 4.67 uh, or 4.76, yeah. sorry. Which is absolutely insane so the it's guy so weighs, stupid <laughs> the guy weighs 340 pounds in a 6-6 yeah at this point this team you're looking right now at guys that you could boom or bust with and at dt and idp it's a really hard thing to find really good dts that are consistent week in and week out i think jordan davis could become that guy 
Yeah, and, and I, I understand where you're going with it. I do disagree um, with your Jordan Davis take for the sheer fact that I think that Jordan Davis is going to be a fantastic pro. But I'm very, very concerned about his fantasy value. Now, if we're talking about, you know, D-tackle specifics, he's going to have some value there. But I, I feel like he's going to be a guy that gets double teamed and allows everybody around him to be more successful. For your point, that's why I really do like Nicobe Dean because he's playing behind the same D tackle that he's got chemistry with. And don't don't think that that's not a thing that matters for chemistry. Ask Haloti, Nada, and Ray Lewis. I mean, that was one of the best connections they've ever had because he just Lodi Nada took care of everybody, got him out of the way, and Ray Lewis hit the crap out of the ball carrier. Right, and and that's also why I like Nicobe Dean in the first round where he went, but. Jordan Davis, is he's a space filler. That's where he's going to be. I, I think he's definitely worth the value uh, at a late-round flyer. Yeah, and and at this point, we're talking about kind of teams that are in the playoffs. We're talking about the teams because it's pick 11 of the second round. And my guess is, is that there's probably a team around here, in my opinion, is going to reach a little bit on a guy named Isaiah Spiller. Most likely, it's going to be the guy that owns Austin Eckler. Um Eckler does have some injury history over the past. He's not the biggest back. He is also 27, so he's getting up there in the age as well. Isaiah Spiller was a guy that a lot of scouts thought had top three running back talent coming out of this draft. He ended up going much later than that, but he went to a system with a fantastic offense, Justin Herbert uh, as the quarterback. So you got, you know, stability there, great wide receiving core. And, and a pass catching back to Eckler that doesn't need the carries to be successful for his team. In fact, might be more successful for his team with less carries. They've been trying to find a backup running back for this team for probably the last three years. And I think that Isaiah Spiller has the body type to be able to be successful while also, you know, basically pairing with Austin Eckler's success. And then down the road, he either could take over that role entirely or he's just going to be a guy that maybe gets some of those goal line carries. He can catch the football and he's really great between the tackles. All right. So my next one here is another reach guy, because at this point you're sitting there, you've made the playoffs. You're trying to find that next guy. That's going to boom. I'm going Trey McBride tight end for Arizona. Love it. Love it. The main reason, yes, he's behind Ertz starting out this year. That's good. It's going to be a learning season for him. He can sit behind him. He's going to be out there on two tight end sets. But as a receiver, tight end, receiving tight end, this guy is the best in the draft. So right here, great value. And you got hopefully the starter in Arizona moving forward. Yeah, Trey McBride is is definitely, in my opinion, the best tight end. He's definitely a step above the rest of the guys in this class because of the fantasy value that he brings. He um, – and, and most tight ends take three years to become really successful in the NFL. You know, Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards last year, which, but he was also an anomaly kind of tight end and they didn't have anybody else to throw to last year either. But Trey right. McBride, as you said, he's going to be behind Ertz who is a very talented wide receiver, but he's also at the end of his career. And he's in exactly. a very, very studded offense with a, again, a top flight quarterback that can get him the ball. I think that it's a great pick at this point in time, even if, once again, it's a team that's in the playoffs, even if he's a guy that's going to sit on your bench for maybe a year, year and a half uh, before he really adds value to your team. But because of the positional scarcity of the tight end, you have to take those swings at the next big guy because everybody wishes they had a Kelsey. Everybody wishes that they had, you know, Waller, maybe not last year, but they want those guys that give you that positional advantage. 
and without taking a risk on him, you're not going to get that opportunity. So I love Trey McBride late in the second. Now we're going to go with, uh, I'm going to jump back to the defensive side and looking at the, the team makeup, they took uh Kayvon Thibodeau in the first round. So that does change my strategy just a little bit. Um, I was going to look at another D lineman, maybe a George Karloftis, uh, but I'm actually going to bounce back to the D back situation. And this one is another player that I'm very, very high on as far as safeties go. And this is Lewis seen uh, he's playing for Minnesota. And I think that he's just going to be the next guy uh, to take over um, there in the, in the secondary. I think that this team is going to be changing over a lot of their defensive pieces. I think that Eric Kendricks could be kind of on the, on the downside of, of his career. The D line is kind of in transition, although maybe a little bit sooner than they wanted to with Everson Griffin going a little bit, uh, sure. um, bat shit really. Um, and Did I you think, see Sign taking over Harrison, though? I mean, is he going to be a banger? Or is he going to be more of a Baja? Oh, no, he's a, he's a banger. He's a banger for sure, which is why, honestly, I was very surprised that the Minnesota took him because it's like they have kind of the same safeties. Uh, yeah, Lucene is, is much better at run defense than he is at, at coverage. But I think that being next to Harrison is going to give him that ability to learn. And, I mean, Harrison's like 32, 33 years old, so he's at the end of his rope. So I can only see a little bit of an overlap for maybe two years at the most. Uh, and then and then he'll basically be the dude there in Minnesota, in my opinion. Awesome. All right, here, um, I, you know, I won the championship. I'm sitting at the last pick. I am taking what I would see as one of the better players still on the board in Tyler Algier at running back. Yeah, this late in a in a draft to get a running back that could be the, the could starter. Be huge. You're, you're gonna you're gonna have Cordell Patterson who had a breakout year still sitting there, but Cordell Patterson has been injury prone for most of his career. They got rid of Mike Davis. You got Quandre Allison still there, and that's about it. This guy is gonna get touches. What he does with them, who knows? But you can take the risk here at that pick. Yeah, and he fits the Arthur Smith size uh, standard. You know, he's a he's big, big running back. Uh, what he did with Derrick Henry, I think, could be very, very similar with this guy as well. You know, the draft capital wasn't as high on him, but maybe that's because they knew that they could wait on him. This uh, this team has had many opportunities to draft running backs. Um, last year, they traded out of the Devontae Williams pick um, and actually gave that to Denver. I, they might be regretting that now, you know, looking one year in, into the future, but I think Tyler Algier has the just as good of a case as anybody to, to come in and, and start running back for that team. As you said, you know, not all the time when they're using Patterson is he even as lined up as a running back. He's a lot of times they put him in a the slot. They use him all over the field. He's kind of their Swiss army knife. They even, they use Mike Davis all last year while Patterson was being successful. So there's going to be opportunities there for sure. Absolutely. Now, if I'm the first overall pick in the draft and we come into the third round and I'm looking at this right here, my opinion is I am running to the podium to make this pick. And this is one of my favorite players this year's draft. And this is David Bell, wide receiver for Cleveland. You might think that, oh, there's some other guys on the board that we really could take over for them. This guy is a flat-out good wide receiver. He dropped a little bit in the draft, I think, to the third round of Cleveland. you know. But he is a route technician. He can go after the football. He's great on the sidelines. He's just one of those guys that is in the right spot at the right time, and quarterbacks are going to love that. Jacoby Brissett is going to be the biggest fan of David Bell this season. 
Absolutely. I think that's going to be a great pick right there. Yeah, they went and grabbed Amari Cooper, but they need that guy who can go and route run underneath, play in the slot, get the yardage, the chunk yardage after the catch. David Bell's that guy. Absolutely. Uh, next pick, I'd be also running to the podium here for running back Brian Robinson. Yeah, Brian Robinson is, a, is an interesting situation. Um, why, why do you think that he's worth the pick here? So I, I know that you have the incumbent there uh, that's is great, great, great wide receiver, great running back and what they do. But I think that they're going to do more split running back head. And I like Robinson's size. He's a big running back. He's 6'1", 228. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a third down running back coming out right away. Yeah, it was an interesting pick for Washington to take him because you, you do have Antonio Gibson, who has been um, right. really stellar. But then they went and they they pulled uh, J.D. McKissick back in, as I said, from Buffalo during the offseason. So the part that just kind of is interesting is he is a third down back. I agree. I think that that's where Robinson will see his first uh, ability on the, on the uh, field. Uh, but how's that going to look? It's going to be interesting. And the third round is probably the the right call as far as this draft because he's he's going to have value. We just don't know what that value is going to look like quite we yet. We don't know. And, and being the second pick of the third round, I'm, I'm not a great team. I need to take that guy who could be a spot starter if Gibson goes down, right? Yeah. I, I got to look. So going with the third pick of the third round, uh, just so that you kind of know where these teams are kind of landing is that this team does have Ken Walker and then Ken Pickett. Um, I'm looking for another Ken. Uh, I'm not really finding one. There's a Keontae. That's kind of close. But no, we're actually going to go with uh, Leo Chanel um, like here, linebacker for Kansas City. More so because this, this guy wants to punish people. He just wants to punish people, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. He wants to hit, and he just comes in with that mentality. He's a guy that just loves football, and he's coming in on a team that needs some linebacker help, and I think that he's going to be an absolute value. I don't expect him to be a day one going to help your team out. You probably start in some kind of uh, you know lower percentage of snap counts, maybe 40 or 50% a game. But as he gets more up to speed in the NFL – He's a guy that you can know that's going to man the middle and he's going to hit everybody. He reminds me of uh, Danny Bateman off of the replacements. You know, he, <laughs> he's person. just that's the person. guy. I'm going to get you the ball coach. And he's just going to go out there and just lay the wood. So Leo Chanel with the third pick of the uh, third round here. All right. Well, that would be my next pick then going for you right here is uh, Quay Walker linebacker for the uh, Green Bay Packers. So, so I like what they have in the middle. Devondre Campbell came in, was an all-pro last year. He's going to keep manning the middle. They got Rashad Gary on one side. They're going to have Quay Walker on the other. I think he has uh, ample amount of opportunities to be successful. And uh, at this point in the draft, uh, it's a low-risk pick for the high rewards you could get out of him. Yeah, and, and I don't – think that he's going to be a guy that gets to be that day one starter I think that he's a little bit more raw than some yep. of the other linebackers coming out this year but he's in a great situation that has very very high production from the linebacker role there in Green Bay and I you know they have a safe 
you know, coaching staff. They're not, you know, on any hot seat to change the scheme or anything. So he has that ability to learn and become very, very good. He's very athletic. So I, I do expect him long-term to really pan out. He just might be a guy that early on, you're going to kind of have to hold on to him and just see what happens. Yep. He's a, he's a couple year guy. One home for a couple. Yeah. Uh, so next up uh, with the fifth pick is now I am taking George Karloftis D line out of Kansas city. My last two picks are two Kansas city guys. The big thing with Karloftis is he's, he's a big dude. He's a talented pass rusher. I think he's going to come in as a pass rushing specialist in his, in his rookie year. He does have the ability to defend the run, but I think that he's going to be specialized on third downs and passing downs. But the nice thing with Kansas city is they now play in a division that is air raid offense all over the place with Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, now having Devontae Adams as a, as a player, Justin Herbert and that offense as well. Everybody's going to be trying to score points through the air. And that's going to give Carl Loftus plenty of opportunities to pin his ears back and try to go after the quarterback. So at this point in the third round, getting a guy that might have six to eight sacks as a rookie is pretty solid. The tough part with him is I don't think it's going to be very consistent. So you're not going to really know when to play him unless you just play him against the AFC West. Yep, exactly. So I, I like Karloffis there. I think that's a great draft right now. Traylon Burks, got Brisker. You're, you're, you're doing some def, definite new cornerstones on your defense with that. Uh, right here, uh, I don't think it's any kind of surprise. We're going to take some runs at, at guys that might be a risk. And that's going to be Malik Willis, quarterback, here for Team 6. You know he's not going to come in day one and be the starter. But he has a skill set. He had, he had a run-up where he was supposed to be a top-five pick. And he dropped all the way to the uh, third round before he was drafted. So this guy definitely has skills. He gets to sit a year behind Tannehill. And after that, they have a pretty easy way to get rid of Tannehill if they want to. He doesn't have a lot of dead men. Yeah, so. this 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 is the last year where it's really they can't afford to do it. But with a guy like Malik Willis, who is raw and needs some time to develop, um, it could be just kind of like a um, same thing with a Trey Lance situation with Malik Willis. Stash him on your bench. Yeah. So now we're looking at a team that has drafted. It's the seventh pick of the third round, Kyle Hamilton and Johan Dotson. It, it gets a little bit tough to kind of start saying, okay, this is where you're going to go with the guys that you just have gut feelings on. You feel good about um, long-term. And the guy that I'm taking is George Pickens. Now there are some risks. There are some concerns with George Pickens. He has had some off the field issues, but He's going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was able to make Antonio Brown look like a stand-up citizen. So I trust in that coaching staff to take care of business over there. Chase Claypool and uh, Deontay Johnson are coming up on contract years. So one of those two, I believe, will be gone. So Pickens will become the second guy in that offense. And he's coming in the same year as rookie Kenny Pickett. I think that this, this tandem could be very successful in the future. I don't expect to get a lot out of him this year, but getting a Johan Dotson and George Pickens on a team that's teetering on, on the playoffs here is a, is the ability to really kind of boost your team going forward um, and having that consistency with some young wide receivers. Yep, absolutely. I, I think that's a, a great pick a good value sitting right there. So this next pick for me, I've already got uh, my linebacker. I have, I have a wide receiver. I would be looking right now at, uh, at maybe a D lineman or a running back still, still sitting on the board. 
And for me, right now, we still sit, have on the board uh, <clears throat> Rashad White for the Buccaneers. And this is where I would probably go and grab him uh, just for the sake that, you know, the Buccaneers offense is going to be explosive. Tom Brady's back. Uh, Leonard Fournette's, yes, the incumbent starter. They got Junov or Bernard that's behind there for catching. This guy is going to walk into a situation where maybe he doesn't play a bunch of year one, but uh, year two, he could be the guy. Yeah, the uh, the the extension with uh, Fournette is a little concerning, and obviously you know that your your sand in the hourglass with Tom Brady is is going to run out at some point. So right. the question is, will White be able to be successful in a less successful offense? You don't know. Um, but you are in the third round of a rookie draft. So like you said before, we're now getting to those a little bit of risk picks, guys that you think that are going to be better than others um, just because you've, you've watched a little bit more, did a little bit more research. This is really the part of the draft that really makes your teams. Um, Blake, when, when in our dynasty league, when did you draft um, Patrick Mahomes? Third round. Third round, third round. Yeah, so um, – this is the time to be able to take those guys. And I noticed that you made sure that you took your third round quarterback um, in this draft as well. I always take a third round quarterback. I always try to take some best available. My third round quarterbacks have always turned out well. I've made some great trades over the years with those guys when they develop. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, some of the philosophy is like, well, you know, I don't really need a quarterback. I have Patrick Mahomes. Why would I take one in the third round? Because in two years, it's going to be a second or first round draft pick. You know, there, there's there's that game. You'll have a backup for a couple of years. Then you trade him for some more draft capital, and then you repeat. You only need him for one or two weeks a year because you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, and you have that ability. It's a it's a wonderful life, it seems like, that you're living over there, Blake. Hey, I've had Patrick Mahomes since the beginning. I always draft another quarterback to come up, and I'm always willing to trade that quarterback. This year, I might take a third quarterback and stash him. This, this is a year where no quarterback's really coming in as an incumbent starter right out of the bat. So these are guys I could sit on the bench for a year and then have them be a starter, trade them out. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a strategy to go with, um, with when you're talking about dynasty leagues because, one, everybody's needing quarterbacks. Everybody wants that next big thing. And when you trade them and they still have that upside or they're just coming off a really couple good games at the end of the season – Hey, this is the next big thing. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but we'll take some draft capital and we'll be happy with it. So this is, uh, we're in the third round here and it, it gets a little bit, you know, dicey on, on some of what we're looking at. I, I am leaning towards a guy that if we are talking about playing a cornerback league, I would be taking this guy. Uh, but if it's just D back, I would stay more focused on the safeties. But as a cornerback, Derek Stingley is the guy that I'm drafting here for Houston. He was drafted high up in capital, but one, Houston's defense is not very good. Their offense, we still don't know. I feel like it's going to be better this year, and it sounds like, Blake, you do too. I um, do too, yeah. But Stingley is a guy that has the ability to intercept the ball. And as I stated before the draft starts, two points for deflected passes, six points for an interception. You combine them together when you get a pick, so it's eight points total when you have that interception. This is a guy that's proven in, in the NCAA that he has a nose for the football, much more so than Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner, to me, is going to be a prototypical shutdown corner when all things are said and done. Stingley is a guy that has that opportunity to pick it and take it to the house. And his coverage and on man coverage and press coverage is great. But once again, 
rookie cornerbacks get picked on by quarterbacks. So he's going to get the ball thrown his way a lot as a rookie. So I believe he has about a two to three year window where he's going to be extremely valuable as a cornerback on your IDP team. But then he might get to the point where he's more of a shutdown asset. And that's when you kind of trade him to a team that knows the name, but might not understand the value of your players. Yep. I agree. Uh, so right here, I'm, I'm, I'm still taking my runner at some risk guys. And uh, I love linebacker Troy Anderson. Oh, you jerk. He's, he's one of my sleepers I have this year. I would love to get him in the third round. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a day one starter coming out, but from his tool speed, everything, this guy played quarterback in college and now quarterback linebacker, running back the guy played every position it seemed like but he is a swiss army knife that they have on that defense and i i think he's going to be an intriguing player uh fantasy wise i don't think year one he's going to be super valuable early in the season but as the year goes on maybe he gets more playing time yeah he is um one of those guys that is flying under the radar as you said but he is just an outstanding athlete And the fact that he's going to be able to now focus on one side of the ball and really become that athletic, use that athletic prowess to to be successful, I think that he's going to be the next big thing for Atlanta. Once again, it's another team that's very weak on offense, and they're they're not going to be playing to win this year. So they're going to play their young stars like Anderson to get him that experience. So you're probably going to be able to use him sooner rather than later. Like, for instance, if you compare a Troy Anderson to Quay Walker – I will bet Troy Anderson outscores Quay Walker as far as fantasy points are concerned by the end of the season because Anderson's going to be playing because they have nothing to play for, nothing to lose by playing him, where Quay Walker might be a liability for a playoff team. Yep, absolutely. And and it's all about volume, too. I've always gone with linebackers that I know can tackle volume. Uh, The sack artists are great to have and stuff, but a guy who can get 10 tackles a week, week in, week out, is a great solid idp player yeah yeah it's the consistency on the high floor um is to me i agree with you i think that it's the safer way to go and what the way that i focus my defense is my defense is there to bail me out when my offense flounders so i don't want my defense to be the reason that i win a game but i want it to be the reason i don't lose yep exactly so this uh we're on to the 11th pick of the third round and this team currently has uh, Devin Lloyd and Isaiah Spiller so looking at trying to uh, even this team out a little bit it's it's a little tough but there's a guy that I think that could have some some value right off the bat um, that's still on the board uh, and it's wide receiver Jalen Tolbert out of Dallas you know Michael Gallup is still recovering from a late season ACL injury They really didn't pick up anybody unless you want to call James Washington, somebody in free agency, and they need somebody to play across from CD lamb. Tolbert had third round draft capital. So he it's high enough that he's going to matter. And I think that he's going to be in a great offense with a quarterback that will throw for over 4,000 yards and probably over 35 touchdowns in Dak Prescott. And that's going to be somebody that's going to benefit. If you look at um, Wilson, who was basically in this role last year, He's successful when players were out or injured or, or missed games. I think that for the first half of the season, Tolbert could really shine in an early season offense as a rookie. Absolutely. I agree. I like Tolbert a lot coming into the season being that Cedric Wilson replacement. Uh, this next pick, 
I, I think he's going to be a great value for you sitting here as Boy Mayf- Boy Mayfi for Seattle. Oh, Boy Mafe, yes. Yes. I, the, I, there's a few reasons. The guy ran a 4.5 four, speed uh, 40. He also plays with the exception of the Rams in a division that has a bunch of scrambling quarterbacks. This guy is going to be playing a lot on the outside. There's the chances that he can use those tools to get some pretty easy sacks on push out of bounds, those type of things. Um, he's also one of the only D linemen are up there. They say right now at a camp, LJ Collier, their first round pick a few years ago looks great, but this guy I think could definitely be a day one starter coming in. Yeah. Boye Mafe is, uh, was my sleeper pick for Seattle when I was going through the teams because of what you just said, they don't have anybody that's really going to say we should play this guy over Boye Mafe. It's just not going to happen. He's at least going to be on, on the third down pass rush off the bat, but I think that they're going to want to try to use him all over the field. And I honestly think that he's going to play a little bit more linebacker and possibly get out of coverage. So being D line eligible is going to be absolutely beneficial for him. So I like that pick a lot. So now we're going to the 13th team. Uh, their previous picks were Kayvon Thibodeau and Lewis Seen. Very, very defensive heavy, but they're trying to get, you know, the best value on the board. And at this point in time, I think they're going to continue to do that. And I think the best value on the board is linebacker Christian Harris for Houston. Now, Great, this guy is um, had a great college season. He uh, came out of Alabama. He does have a little bit of what I would call not great coverage, but this team has always had middle linebackers um, give you give you a lot of points, a lot of tackles, a lot of skill. They had Zach Cunningham. Uh, they still have Christian Kirksey in the middle. Both those guys are very, very talented and very, very good at getting fantasy points. I think Christian Harris might be a guy that you're not going to play a lot in that first year. You're going to have to look at snap counts and percentages to see where he's at, because I think that he's going to be off the field some on third downs, just because I don't think he's going to have the coverage skills needed right off the bat, but he's a guy that they're drafting to replace a Christian Kirksey who's into his thirties now. So I think that they're definitely the opportunity for him to become a stalwart of a defensive player for you. So having three guys that, you know, could end up being, you know, top 15 of their position in the next two years with Kayvon Thibodeau, Lewis seen and, uh, and she, and Harris, I just think that that's a really great start to your draft. Well, and not to mention, look at that division. It's a running back heavy division coming in. Absolutely. So this guy is going to have plenty of times to hit that running back. So, uh, you know, if they you are 100% correct about that. Yeah. You got, you got between Jonathan Taylor and uh, Derek Henry, that's, that's 40 carries and those, you know, that they're going to be probably, well, 20 carries a game average of those two guys for sure is going to happen. So, all right. With this last pick in the, in the third round, you're the champion. You're taking risks here because you don't need a lot of extra assets. I'm going with uh, David Ojabo here. You know, he not, he's not going to necessarily come in this year and maybe start or play. You don't know what's going to happen after this injury, but he would have been a top 15 pick had he not had the injury on his pro day. So he goes into a great situation in Baltimore. He's sitting there. He gets a year to sit back, get rested up. And that defense is a strong defense. They know what to do right with their defense every single time. So that's why I'd go for him. Yeah, David Ajabo is is definitely um, 
a risk play, but you're right. He landed in the exact right location where Baltimore has been known for developing pass rushers. Um, so with that being said, we'll basically kind of end it there with uh, 14 picks and three rounds. That's essentially almost like a four round draft. Uh, so we'll go through, um, I'll go through it really quick and Blake, I'll, I'll love for you to uh, tell me one of your favorite picks, uh, one of your least favorite picks, and then also who you think, uh, which team probably had the best three round draft here. So I'll, I'll start it off. Team one started with Bryce Hall. Then it was Drake London, Ken Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Kyle Hamilton, Nicobe Dean at team eight. Uh, at nine, we had James Wills, uh, Williams. Uh, Sky Moore went at 10. Devin Lloyd at 11. Garrett Wilson at 12. Kayvon Thibodeau, 13. 14 was Christian Watson. And we started back at team one having, um, now they have Bryce Hall or Brees Hall and then Cook, James Cook. And then it was uh, Jermaine Johnson, Kenny Pickett, Damian Pierce. Jaquan Brisker, Tavon Walker, Johan Dotson, Alec Pierce, Samir White, um, Jordan Davis, the uh, the fat unicorn, Isaiah Spiller, Trey McBride, Lewis Seen, Tyler Algier, David Bell, Brian Robinson, um, Leo Chanel, Quay Walker, George Karloftis, Malik Willis going there in the third round to team six uh, with pick seven was Pickens. Uh, Rashad White went team eight. Devin Singletary to nine, Troy Anderson, Jalen Tolbert, uh, Boye Mafe, Christian Harris, and David Ajabo uh, to finish out the uh, the third round there. So Blake, who what's your uh, what's your favorite pick of this draft? My favorite pick of the draft, as I was going through and looking at this and seeing the value, is I really liked the uh, Brisker pick for Team Five in the second round. I, I think he's going to have a ton of opportunity to be the immediate starter there. Great season and safety play is such an essential to win your, your league that that guy is a great, great value pick. I like that pick there in the second round. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my favorite pick probably of this, of this draft is, is Trey McBride in the second round pick 12. Um, yep. Once again, that guy is, is athletic. I think that he has the opportunity to become a top three tight end in this league. And once again, with the positional scarcity that you have, it's a, uh, it's just something that you have to take a risk on. But honestly, I think getting him that late in the second round is, is an absolute value. Yeah. And then I would say that, you know, we talked about the best team pick. I really think the team 13 that you picked for did amazing in putting in three starters day one. So. Yeah. So that those three players are Kayvon Thibodeau, Lewis Seen, and uh, Christian Harris, a linebacker for Houston there. I think, I think that, you know, you're, you're in the playoffs. So you're trying to load back up into the weak part you might have is defense. You know, at that point in time, you might have the offensive firepower that's going to run it back. Um, personally, the team that I, I really, really think uh, is just, strong is team two with drake london jermaine johnson and brian robinson i mean I you like got an opportunity of having brian robinson you know be the guy here in a couple in a couple of years antonio gibson has been solid but he hasn't been what people were wanting him to be in my opinion he also can has some struggles with staying healthy he does play through the injuries but i mean he had a foot injury for the majority of last year i think that having a brian robinson this is a guy that Riviera wanted went after yep. 
He looks like a bigger version of Christian McCaffrey because he can catch out of the backfield. He's not as elusive per se, but he's going to be able to be successful in that offense. And then we've already talked about Jermaine Johnson um, going on to a Jets team that gets to play the Miami Dolphins two times a year is always a benefit um, because their O-line hasn't been good since, uh, oh God, since probably Marino hung them up. So it's it's the opportunities are going to be there. Linebacker D-line. Too. Yes, he's a, he's and a, the flexibility cool. of that that gives you the ability to and, maybe hang on to one more offensive player or a up and coming defensive player is is just really really beneficial. And, and Seth, I'll tell you just for for the the listeners on here on team two right there, I would have drafted Desmond Ritter as my stack in the fourth round there. Yeah, that uh, and that that would be really nice because you, if you're like I said, if you're the second worst team in the league you're always probably needing a little bit of help at quarterback. And I, I'm a big fan of Ritter. I can see Ritter taking over the starting position this year. Yeah. The, the reports out of camp have said that he's polished. He's ready to come in and play. He's one of those guys that doesn't have the – I don't think he's going to have the high ceiling. But he's definitely a guy that could have a high floor where he'll, you know, maybe a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, but as a fourth-round draft pick to have a guy as a backup that you know that can come in and throw for 270 to 320 yards and a couple touchdowns on your bye week, or if you have an injured quarterback, I think that that's, that's what Desmond Ritter kind of accentuates going into this. Now, if they suck, which the Falcons have a high chance of doing that this year, they could be drafting a, uh, you know, a top-end quarterback out of next year's draft. But in the fourth round, give it a shot because you know, they're going to let him play at least by the end of the year to see what he's got. Well, and and if the worst case is you're the worst team this year, the chances are you're not necessarily going from two to jumping in the playoffs. You might be moving into that five, six, seven range going into next season. That top quarterback that the Falcons draft next year could be your pick in the first round next year. Absolutely could be. Um, And you have Drake London already sitting on your team, ready to go. I'm, I'm a big fan of stacks. If you can do them. Yeah, and you don't want to overpay for the stacks, that's for sure. But in a dynasty league, it's a little bit different. You know, it's not like the redraft where you're going to sacrifice a high, high end pick to get that stack. You can trade your draft capital, trade some pieces to be able to fall into that stack. Um, but once again, I, I do uh, appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us, giving us some fantasy knowledge. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, experience to have you on here. So hopefully, maybe we'll be able to get you back on sometime soon. No, I, I truly appreciate the opportunity to get on here and talk to you guys this evening. And, and uh, yeah, happy drafting as we're starting to get into the fantasy drafts in the season. It's it's exciting time. Training camp coming up now. I know. J- July is already upon us. So uh, it's quite an exciting time. So until next week, we will, guys, we will see you guys next Thursday. This podcast has been presented by the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network.